0: Welcome to Unscripted, your weekly podcast featuring Kirby Hasselman and Bill Petrie, where they talk about all things promotional, marketing, and branding. As always, it's brought to you by Promo Corners Identity Marketing, the interactive tool for promotional products professionals. Now, here's Kirby and Bill. Welcome to the first November 2016 edition of Unscripted. I am your co-host, Bill Petrie, and with me as always is my good pal from Coshocton, Ohio, Dr. Kirby Haaseman. Doctor, how the hell are you today?
1: <laughs> I am doing fantastic, my friend. Uh, excited to be on this call with you, as always, and excited to take on some uh, topics around the industry and around the business world, which is always fun. So how you doing, yeah. man?
0: I'm doing great. I'm actually surprised to hear you're doing so well, considering the fact that the Dallas Cowboys ground your <laughs> Cleveland Browns uh, to a nub last Sunday.
1: Yeah, it's a that's a pretty exclusive club. The people who've beat the Cleveland Browns this season only every person we or every team we've played. So,
0: well, congrats. I'll, I'll thank you. I'll thank you not to use that tone with me, um, especially <laughs> especially when speaking of the greatness that is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, well, so the, the thing is, is the I'm,
1: Cowboys are pretty good, and I actually am rooting for them. They got Ezekiel uh, Elliott, for, former Buckeye, on there, so I'm rooting for the Buckeyes or for the uh, Cowboys, but I'm just not sure this was their signature win.
0: Oh, no. No, it was not. But, you know, if I do think of things that are signature, you know what I do think of, Kirby? What's that? Is this week's sponsor of Unscripted. They have a signature, a Bay State specialty company, has a signature gift collection line that might be the perfect solution for client gifts. And we really are in the gift-giving season, if you think about it. we are. So, you know, clients can mix and match popular housewares, cutting boards, utensils, oven mitts, and more elegant organizational bag it's a truly unique and remembered gift so if you have a moment i encourage all of you i know kirby does too to go ahead and check them out at baystate.com now kirby i always thank you for having the courage to do this podcast with me and i, I say that again today because of the the cowboys trouncing of the cleveland browns yeah. do you have a top do you have the courage to start us off with a topic today
1: yeah yeah absolutely i'll uh, i'll, I'll uh, take the take the lead on that i so I, I have a topic that's sort of a general topic and my guess is one that has um, – other people in the industry will have opinions on as well, but I really want your take on it. Um, so when it comes to the distributor side of the business, but I suppose in the supplier side too, um, but I, I guess I'm looking at it from the distributor side, there are going to be times when um, sales reps, account executives, uh, account managers, whatever – transition on whether they leave your company whether they retire whether they um whatever right um and i would think you know i I feel like that's a real challenge for business leaders in our industry um and so i was just kind of wanting to get your take on you know in a perfect world what's the best way to handle those transitions what's the best way and again i'm thinking from a distributor side but it could be suppliers as well is there a process you know um, of how to make those transitions easier for your customers, for your company, and for the new sales rep, for that matter. Um, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: When, when you say transitioning sales reps, and let me clarify, are you so, talking about transitioning someone into a situation or out of a situation? Uh, frankly,
1: I mean, yes. So like, so, okay. so like, let's say a, a sales rep you've so, had for a while is leaving. And you okay. have somebody you want to replace them with. How, what's the best way to to do that?
0: Well, well, the first thing is if you have a good sales rep who's leaving and there's really not a good reason, you start off by saying, "Don't let the door hit you with a good Lord split you." <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm joking. I, I think you know, assuming everything is amicable, yeah, uh, and we'll go ahead and, and make that assumption for this discussion. I think the first thing you need to do is, is create a transition plan that involves both the outgoing rep and whoever's going to take it over internally. Right. Um, you know, when, when there's, it, it, I almost look at it like a, uh, a track event where they yeah. have the uh, relay races and they hand off the baton. Right. Yeah. And we've all watched enough Olympics probably in our lifetime to, to you've seen some very smooth handoffs of that baton and you've also seen where it's a complete cluster, yeah. right? And the baton drops. And, and that's really what that client relationship is. So I would almost I would look at it even a little differently. Because we are in an industry where there's so little differentiation, what you're really handing is a, as an egg. It's something that fragile. Mm, yeah. And so if if by not communicating with the clients, gotta start with communication with the client, what the plan is. How they're going to be taken care of, and as long as there's not an increase in friction, right. it's not painful for the client. It should be relatively painless. Right. Um, but that's my at least my initial thought. I'm not sure that really no, it's dug exactly, super deep or, or gave any sort of huge insight. I think that's a fairly uh, common thought.
1: Yeah, but it, a common thought. Common, not not so common in practice, I would say. I, I remember, um, you know, where I'd seen. Sales reps, the former sales rep, the one who was leaving, would actually even go so far as to introduce, maybe write a letter, meet with clients to introduce the new salesperson. And I think in a perfect world, in a perfect world, right, that mm-hmm. would be ideal because hopefully right. the people, the customers that you're dealing with have some relationship with and there's – that helps with the comfort level of the transition,
0: I, I almost think the more interesting thought is what happens when a sales rep leaves, and it's kind of a shit show. Mm. Um, and how do you handle that? Yeah, because because I, I guarantee you, uh, both of our listeners have probably had—that was a joke. You can feel free to laugh. Kirby. <laughs> um, I'm intent I, on
1: listening to you.
0: Uh, I think that some of our listeners have had situations where a sales rep, hey, up and leaves. Yeah, and now you've got now you've got a real challenge on your hands. Right. Or they don't leave so amicably. And how do you retain that client relationship? Because, you know, we can sit here, and I think we've talked about uh, this on, the, on, on this uh, podcast before. You could have all sorts of non-competes and things like that. But let's face it, the salesperson owns that relationship. Mm, right. So if they try to take it with them, they're probably going to have some success, some level of success anyway, taking it. So how do you as the company retain that? Right. And I think that's the bigger challenge. So again, to me, it always, always comes down to communication. Mm, Yeah.
1: Well, and I think you know, certainly I've had that issue. I'm sure both of our listeners have too. Um, Mm. But you know, you're right. For for me, it's been about okay. I want to get out in front of this as fast as I possibly can, um, and Mm. get some. Personally, I like to get somebody in there to see them right away. Um, I agree, to if that's possible, the, but yeah. sometimes
0: it's not possible.
1: Sometimes not, but getting some sort of form of communication, whether it's a phone call. I you know, I think sometimes what it is, people are like, well, it's not possible. Okay, maybe it's not possible to do some of it, but a lot of times I'd say that it's, that pushback is laziness. It's I, I totally agree. possible for a phone call. It's totally possible for several other things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Maybe you can't jump on a jet plane. I get that, but um, most of the time there's – you can do more communication than you think.
0: Right. And I think maybe a lot of time that legwork is um, done beforehand, before the sales rep leaves. Mm-hmm. Bef- so you start making sure you, you have touch points before they leave. And, and you're involved from the get-go because it, nobody likes to feel like uh, you're trying to rearrange the deck chairs on, a ti- on the Titanic <laughs> as a sales rep leaves. You know, And that can happen from time to time.
1: For sure. Well, cool. Uh, That's good. Okay. Do you have a topic for us?
0: I do. So um, last Friday, so I guess November the 4th, the ASI Power 50 list came out. Mm -hmm. And I'm always intrigued by this list. Always honored to know some of the people and be good friends with some of the people and then you know, for example, our, our good friend and, and fellow promo kitchen chef, C.J. Schmidt from Hip Promotional Products, was the number one most powerful person in the uh, promotional products industry, is ranked by ASI. And also, Larry Cohen, another fellow promo kitchen chef and, and PPAI board member on that list. And there's several other people I'm sure we both know, and, and either bo- both of us know or one or more of us know, or one or, one or the other one knows. But I always wonder, what's really the value of this list? What does it mean? And that's not to disparage anybody on this list. I mean, the, the list is filled with great thinkers and great innovators and really good people um, that are good for our industry. But I just wonder what this list even means. And what is the criteria? It's so subjective. I, I, I'm i always fascinated by this list. And then I read it, and I'm like, well, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so why is, like, for example, if I'm looking at, at uh, the list, number 10 is Jeff Lederer from Primeline, mm-hmm. really good guy. And certainly he's done some great things with bringing on, uh, uh, you know, they, they bought JetLine and, and they, he's done a great job. Why is, so Jonathan Isaacson from JetLine is number 11. Why is Jonathan Isaacson number 11? Why is Jeff Letterer 10? Why isn't it reversed? I, I just don't get the criteria. True. And, and I don't I don't understand. Um. No,
1: and I, I I understand your your confusion on this. I will tell you, I love lists like this. you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm a I'm fascinated by them. Um, they are, I think, great uh, conversation pieces for people like you and I. Um, and I, for me, I'm always like, okay, like I, to me, it's just one little gauge from one niche uh, group that says, hey, this is who we think are important. Sure. It would be cool to have a little bit more on the criteria, but I, you know, from my perspective, the, the analogy back to sports, you know, if you're on this list, you're a big influencer in our industry. Um, between 10 and 11, you're, you know, you're picking, you're picking between, um, great. If you're on the list, you're a big and great influencer in our industry. We're picking, um, <laughs> Sorry, to to You're use picking Yeah, picking fly shit out of pepper as Yeah. Uh, you
0: know, I, I get it, but here, here's the thing. Who, who I I think it's, it's almost like, like it's like the Pro Football, football Hall of Fame or something there. like that. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of weird criteria. And you know what? That's fine. I just think for something like this it would be good to know the criteria and maybe who at ASI or internally at ASI or outside of ASI was was polled to create the rankings because I mean it is subjective and I'm cool with that I generally like lists like this too but you gotta be kidding me Paul Bellantone at number 30 come on (laughs)
1: well I I mean I think I I, I mean I don't
0: know if that's just a snip between ASI and PPAI but that seems way out of whack yeah
1: I so so from my perspective to add to it just to make this a little bit more of a uh, robust list or or more, add some more behind it. It's just some explanation behind their impact and their influence in the industry yeah. would be super interesting, just as an add-on. I, I actually really, I mean, like I say, I love the list, but just a little bit more um, hey, they did this or they did that um, to justify the, the ranking, I think that would be interesting.
0: Right. Th- that's all I'm talking about, and I think maybe you and I should come up with a list of the 50 least influential people <laughs> in the industry.
1: So, if you're on the if you're 50, does that make you more influential or less on that list? Um, I think the
0: number one least influential person <laughs> in the industry would be. Uh, so if you're number one on that list, you are out of the 184,000 promotional product professionals. You are number 184,000. Oh, okay, so it'll so we'll be back. Number one, you don't want to be number one. <laughs> okay. Good. So if you're number 50, your hope would be next year. Today. I'm not on this damn list. <laughs> yeah.
1: I like it. I I love all these lists. Like I, I think it's I, like the the social media influencer list that Dale Denham does. I think is interesting. Sure. I think Jeff Jacobs did a list that was really interesting. And and it, you know. To be totally, um, you know, above board, I was on the list, so of course I feel right. better about that list. <laughs> well,
0: and, and I was on Dale's yep. list, but here's my thing: both of those lists were transparent. Right. I knew it was Dale Denham, and I think John Norris may have participated in that, maybe a couple others. And there was an explanation of why. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Same thing with Jeff Jacobs' list. It was Jeff Jacobs' per- opinion, and you know what? He is entitled to it. And I'm not. I just I think it would be cool to see what group of people or individual came up with these rankings and yeah. why uh you know Norm hollinger from Alpha Broder is one slide ahead of Marty and Jeremy Lott from Sandmar you know I there's I'm sure there's a reason yeah I would just like to see it that's it nothing more yeah no
1: it's it, honestly this is interesting and I think to your point I just want to reiterate because I know you are not disparaging any on the list or even questioning the list like, you know the, uh, the, the order oh, and the, no. that just just curious to know the the rationale for it and I that that would be interesting
0: all right Curry, I think we have beaten that top 50 power 50 <laughs> dead horse uh, enough. What's your topic what do you, I'm sure you have another one for us?
1: I do I do and again a little bit more of an industry philosophical question I guess. Um, I, as so I, one of the topics I hear a lot is about bringing new talent, whether it's young or you know like it's always talked about millennials but I don't necessarily care about that. But bringing new talent into the industry. And I think historically, you know, a lot of the salespeople, distributor salespeople have been on uh, commission, straight commission Mm -hmm. in many ways. Um, And I guess my question and a question I'm honestly asking at Haasman Marketing is do we continue down that road? Is that still the best way or do we modify Do we look at – bringing in young or inexperienced talent and paying them for a year or two to get them off the ground. Um, do you know what other people are doing? Do you have opinions on this? I'm curious.
0: I, I absolutely have opinions on this. So, you know, we, we, here's the thing, you know, when I graduated from college and, and I think you as well, I, I was debt free. Um, I was very fortunate to be debt free. I didn't have student loans. I don't know if you did or not. Mm-hmm. Um, But I think these days, most kids are are getting out of college, and they've got a significant amount of student loan debt attached to them. Mm. So if I'm 22 or 23 and I've just graduated from college and I've got $35,000 in student loans hung around my neck like an albatross, I'm not so sure, no matter how confident I am in my selling skills, Mm that a commission-only model is going to blow up my skirt. Mm. Um, so I'm a believer that if, if people want to bring in r- like real young folks, g- recent college grads, and really teach them how to sell, how to sell promotional products, how to create solutions, and so on and so forth, there has to be an investment. And, and so it's funny because I actually just advised a client of this uh, earlier this week. You pay them enough to cover some bills. Mm-hmm. And, and my suggestion, the number I came up with was about $2,000 a month. Right. Right. So about twenty-four grand a year. And that's enough so they have a decent place to live, be able to pay off some of the, you know, keep paying on their student loans, have to eat. But then you give them a reduced commission. So if your normal commission would be a 50 50 split, for example, mm-hmm. I would be willing, and I, again, I'd have to put the numbers together because when it comes to numbers, my brain does not work that way. I have to write them out physically and really look at them. But, so I'd have to see what exactly what the math is, but my, my, my gut tells me the way I would do it is a, about a $24,000 salary, a reduced commission, something along the lines of 30% or maybe even 25, right. uh, and then that would be reviewed quarterly. Mm-hmm and you know we would if and, and the goal would be at the end of the year at the end of that 12 months they get on full commission
1: yeah
0: you've made the investment they've made the investment now another interesting twist you could do is that same scenario but then they pay back some of the salary mm-hmm. i don't know that would be interesting too i yeah. never thought about that till right now but i'm <laughs> not sure that would fly so let's just ignore that <laughs>
1: It's unscripted, um, so no, I, I think that's good. I actually kind of the model I was considering, but just trying to get my head around that. And obviously, you know, from a distributor side, you got to spend more time on the front end, making sure your hire is right. So
0: you, you, you do, and, and again, if you're really serious about running a business, you're gonna have to invest. Yeah. No, but very few of us are so great that someone's essentially willing to come work for free. Until they learn the industry. Yeah. No, that's good. I think we've put a good button on that, Kirby. So I think we've got time for one more, and I think it would be almost irresponsible of us (laughs) if we didn't discuss the outcome of the U.S. presidential election this week.
1: Yes. Yes. So uh,
0: for those of you who are not aware, um, in a large upset – uh, Donald J. Trump, the Republican nominee, defeated Hillary Rodham Clinton, the Democratic nominee. And here's what I hope. So I, I am not going to get into who I voted for. I'm not going to ask who you voted for. Okay. But what I really hope is that now that the – well, to, to a couple things. I, I think you know it was the first election I can ever remember, Kirby, mm-hmm. where – it seemed like most people weren't voting for anything. They were just <laughs> hell bent on voting against something else. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's that's a pretty shitty place to be. I know I walked out of the voting booth feeling pretty icky about the the selections. Neither one I felt were, were very good. And it seems like I and, and by the way, I was stunned Trump won. Mm. I, I, I was very much of the opinion that going into election day that, that Hillary would li- win in a fairly sizable margin. I just did not see it coming. And and where I've arrived at, I think it's a almost a, a, a collective middle finger to government in the way it, it's run. And so uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, but my hope is that now that all of this unpleasantness of the election is behind us, that we can start respecting the office of the president, even if people may not respect the person sitting in that office. Um, we're still hopefully one country, but uh, I don't know. What do you think about the election? What, what are your perspectives on that?
1: You know, I, I think I have a hypothesis about this, that ev- every four years our economy and our um, mental state as a country takes a dip because the most powerful people in the country or potentially going to be the most powerful people in the country are telling us how shitty our lives are. Um, and so pretty much every 4 years I'm super excited for the day after the election regardless of sure. who wins. And as I, you know, I as I often think that that the the city council people, the uh local state representatives, those local folks are mm-hmm. actually more important in many ways than than the president. Um what I said to my daughter the, um you know, just after the election was you know, Warren Buffett was successful regardless of who was in, who was president. Bill Gates, yeah, successful. And then the people who are dumpster fires tend to be dumpster fires, no matter who's in office. And so well,
0: well, be, being a dumpster fire is somewhat of a choice, just like not being a dumpster fire <laughs> yeah. is somewhat of a choice.
1: Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I think we all need to, you know, the day after the election, it's hard to do, um, kind of. Do our best to unite because we are all Americans, and not to be all rah rah. But at, at the end of the day, um, I have to go back on you know the day after and get back to work. And so,
0: absolutely, I think I think that's a great sentiment. I'll add one thing before we wrap up uh, our podcast: is that you know regardless of who won i knew i would wake up the day after and say that is the president and i'm gonna give that person a chance and support them as best i can and i think if we all try to remember that uh we could probably all be a little more prosperous mm. instead of uh, finding ways to work or ways to uh, bitch and moan about everything. That's the easy thing to do, to do yeah. right? Yeah. And, and the last thing I'll say is if everybody could take the passion that they had pre-election for their selected candidate and take that same passion and channel it locally or nationally or regionally to make your community better, please do. Yeah.
1: That's well said, my friend. Well said.
0: Well, I think that's all the time we have for Unscripted today. Um, I think we should also say uh, I did cast one vote. That's very important. Mm-hmm. I cast my vote for this week's sponsor of Unscripted to Bay State Specialty Company.
1: Absolutely. We're all excited about that election.
0: Yeah, it was. There was no hanging chads. There was no dangling participles. There was no electioneering. <laughs> it was It was a pretty clean sweep for the good people at Bay State. And you know Why? Because like their platform is really a perfect gift solution, Kirby. So uh, any clients that are looking for any sort of kitchenware, housewares, uh, oven mitts, utensils, and they can put it in an elegant bag to, to, to for a truly memorable gift. I mean, that's really what we're talking about here. It's a gift that keeps on giving. So if you'd like to cast your vote for Bay State, and I encourage you to do so, as does Kirby, please go ahead and check them out at baystate.com
1: cool, man. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. And as always, I always welcome your input, but I welcome the input of everybody listening. So let us
0: know how you think we're doing. Uh, Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks again, everybody. Have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Once again, thank you for listening to Unscripted with Kirby Hasselman and Bill Petrie. As always, brought to you by the good people at Promo Corners Identity Marketing, the interactive tool for promotional products professionals.